Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Yeah, I mean that's that's fascinating the 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 insight there that you know you must and this is the stuff I'm keen to get uh, through these podcasts. It's what's behind the what's behind the story, what's behind the the um the headlines that we see as fans and people in the public and some of the insights you're giving are, are absolutely incredible about you know how these things work. Um, um so the Kennedy bids bind Charles Green um unfortunately um takes control of the club and the association with Rangers is is, is over for a, a wee bit and then you know, it took the fans probably six to nine months to start asking questions about Charles Green. And I've always said that because of Rangers fans going through administration, anybody that's a custodian of the club thereafter has got to accept that they're going to be open yep. to more scrutiny from their fans Absolutely. than fans of any other club yep. because of, of our history. And it probably, if Charles Green had taken over Rangers without admin happening and he just bought the club, say he bought the club off David Murray, I think he'd have got away with it for longer mm-hmm. because we became a wee bit more educated and the eyes were more on the business side of it. But I think it was probably from memory, certainly between six and nine month window after him getting control that the fans started thinking, hold on a minute, is this guy the, the right deal? Did you have concerns? I mean, obviously you became the requisitioning group that requested a, yeah. an EGM to try yeah. and house these guys. Yeah. But when did you first have concerns about what was happening in the Rangers? Well, I, I think I think the my concerns were, were driven by the whole administration process and the way that had gone mm-hmm. at the end. You know, the fact that Charles Green came in at the last minute and no one had you know you know every single potential bidding party in that process through from Bill Miller. Remember these guys, Bill Miller, yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember. Bill Ing. Brian yep, Kennedy, yep. you know, all the everyone was known apart from 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 Charles Green. So it just seemed an odd thing. Then maybe he had an incredible, you know, ability to keep confidentiality. I, I don't know, but it just seemed odd given it was such a high profile. Yeah, nobody situation. heard about him. Nobody heard of him. And literally until until the day he bought the club. Mm-hmm. So anyway, my concerns were, were driven by that. Obviously, I as you say, I, I I'd left at that point. Um I think the first the first time I got kind of back into it again was the early part of 2013. So we're probably now into eight, well, would that be uh, maybe 10 months after yeah. maybe the early spring of 2013. Yep. Um, I think from memory, the first contact, so Malcolm Murray, who was a chairman at the time, reached out to me and he said, can we meet for a coffee? And he said, I've got some concerns about the way this is going. He didn't get into too much detail at the time, but you know, kind of gave me enough to to get a sense that there was, you know, there was genuine concerns. Um, and then there was a couple of people on the board that had been appointed as independent directors. I can't remember one because remember the 
club had floated, had IPO'd on yeah. the AIM market, so they were a public company. So the couple of guys, there was um, there was two guys, I think, from memory, who were like totally non-Rangers guys, just business guys. Um, I can't remember the name. One was called Phil. Miha. Uh, no, that no. no, that was Phil. Was, Phil's uh, a great Rangers yeah. fan. Sorry, sorry, Phil, if you're watching this, don't ever doubt F you. F Phil, no, it was Phil I've got, his, I've got his name. I just uh, can't. Yeah, just, I can see his face. Aye, 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 terrible, aye, terrible. Really nice guy. He was one of the first to leave. He was really nice guy. Really mm -hmm. nice guy. And there was also a guy called um, I think it was some, I think it was Richard Smart. I think his name was ironically, and he was an accountant who just was there from a financial point of view. But 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 the guy Phil uh, was he was a really experienced business guy and and he was so I actually met so through Malcolm I met I met Phil uh and uh it, it cut a long story short um there was a there was actually a move and, and and then I also kind of engaged with uh Sandy and James Easdale at that time as well um and there was a bit of a move believe it or not to make me chairman at the time and at that as point, an independent, an independent chairman. Yeah, yeah. And I just felt at a time that, that I didn't, given everything I was being told about the various things, I didn't. So there was actually a move, like a, a formal move to make me chairman. And, and it all kind of just fell apart a little bit because I wasn't quite sure. They weren't quite sure. And then they, they then made uh, Walter chairman. That's right. And, you know, obviously we all love Walter and, and uh, he is, you know, <laughs> Probably after John Gregg, you know the the, the second mm. biggest hero in, in Rangers history, but you know Walter, his own mission was never going to be a chairman of. He's not a business guy, and he's not interested in business, so I don't think he felt entirely comfortable being the chairman. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that he told me that. Um, so uh, you know, so he, Walter was chairman, uh, and I think at that point, Charles Green then then um, then left after all the Imran Ahmed yep, yep. stuff. Uh, and I think at that point um, they brought in who was the guy, the, the CEO, um, the English Wallace. guy. Uh, Not Graham, the Scottish Graham he, Wallace came uh, after. There was a guy who was there. But I can't remember. There was, there was a guy who was the. Um, he put some money into the club actually, and they made him the CEO. Um, and then what? Then what happened was um, there was uh, there was a move. So again, obviously, all this stuff's going on. And a lot of the shareholders who put money into the club at the at the IPO were starting to get really concerned about you know where the money had gone and, and all the rest of it. So here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, they then, through Malcolm Murray, approached me and Jim McCall, um, who had who, who at that time was you know a pretty well-known Scottish businessman to to try and do something. So it went through a couple of different iterations because at one point a guy called Frank Blinn was involved and he stepped down. Um and then so it ended up with myself and Malcolm Alex. Alex Wilson and Scott Murdoch. Uh, oh, I think that was four, wasn't it? Four was, um, four, yeah. And then um and that was fine. And you might remember we had to go to the court of session to yeah, yeah. to get the meeting held and, and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Just just for those who <clears throat> maybe weren't was involved at the time, uh, basically, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, you were requesting an EGM to vote on the board and to vote you guys in. Yeah. Or was it just on you guys in from memory? But yeah. to do that, you needed was it five percent of the shares to yeah. request yeah. this EGM, yeah, right. and they said no, you've not got it, and they argued black was white and tried to prevent EGM. 
you just had to go to the court, the session, yeah. to actually allow it to happen. Is that fair all, understanding? Almost, almost. Just one slight. So, yeah, you're, you're right with everything apart from the what they said was that there's, there's, you've got to send these documents within a certain time timetable. Mm-hmm. So they claimed that we'd missed it by one day. All right. Um, <laughs> So, um, which wasn't right. So we, we actually, and, and all, all we were doing, we, all we wanted to happen was we just wanted the meeting to take place. Yeah, at, yeah. at the end of the day, it's up to the shareholders yeah, yeah. to decide, democracy is up to them to decide what they want to do. We weren't looking to influence it. We just wanted to have the actual meeting, let the people decide who they wanted, and that was fine. So uh, we had to go, go to court to get that um, uh, approved. It was approved, and the meeting took place. And it was quite late, actually. It must have been... Just before Christmas, I think it was in the 2013, um, and uh, you met if you were at, I think you were at the meeting. It certainly uh, was. <laughs> so we had to stand. It was. It was actually. I think that whole time is, you know, I went back at that time. It was quite depressing in some ways. Mm. All those meetings and you know, booing and board and you know, for the club to have got to that stage, mm. and then it's even worse when we moved over to the gazebo yeah. the following year. But but even that year, 2013, it was just. As a guy who'd been there when the club was, you know, a certain standing, and they see the, you know, it was a fighting, it wasn't like fight, physical fighting, but, you know, verbals on the stage. And mm-hmm. I think I was asked <clears> to come <throat> speak at one point. I spoke and, you know, and then w- what they'd done quite cleverly, uh, I think, is they, they, they actually appointed Graham Wallace yep, just before right. the meeting. Was that before that? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing Graham. how you don't, yeah. you know, everything's got to be... And, and that was pretty smart because Graham was actually an all right guy. I think of yeah. all the guys that were there at that time, I think Graham Wallace, in a different mm-hmm. circumstance, could have been a good CEO. Yeah, he was a yeah, very experienced guy, yeah. smart guy, but he he get, he get he get caught into this whole, you know, difficult situation, and I think he found it really difficult no, to cope with it. I, 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 I agree with you. But, I mean, I had a lot of dealings with, with Graham Wallace through his tenure, and I, and I found he was just the, the the right the right guy at the wrong time. Yeah. and funny, uh, and I don't want to take over the podcast because your stories are far more um, entertaining and and, and uh, interesting. But I got a phone call from a Rangers fan about six months ago, twelve months ago. Craig, I'm, I'm I'm sitting in London just now, and guess who's in the restaurant, in the table next to me? Said, who's that? Graham Wallace. Do you want me to do anything? I was like, Yeah, go over and say hello, and I'm asking for him. And this guy was shocked. He's like, What? I thought you'd want me to spill his tea or something. It's not at all. I said, Graham Wallace, a very very nice guy. I said, Please yeah. go and say to him. You know, you're just off the phone to me, and I'll get. And the guy yeah. texts me back ten minutes later, and he said, This yeah. guy's seen. I'll send you regards to Craig, yeah. and I think there was a lot of that. There was yeah. there was some people who were just in the wrong gang at the yeah. wrong time. It, it, definitely, and, and and by the way, actually, what, what's also interesting is I think one of the one of the first guys to message me after the 2015, you know, final requisition with myself and Dave and John Gilligan, but then one of the first guys to message and congratulate me was was actually Graham Wallace. Aye, well, that's that, that, that. so some you know the guy was the guy yeah. was interested in seeing the club progress, and as you say, he just get. Caught up in the wrong. Yeah, that doesn't su- it doesn't surprise me because he was a proper guy, yeah, and I guy. think professional he, guy. Yeah. He could tell the difference between right and wrong, and I think he probably did realise at one time when he's not when he was in there. I'm sort of you know picked the wrong horse here. Yeah, uh, and I certainly I met him several times, and he was always accommodating to me and professional other, guy, experienced yeah, guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you, you the requisitions happened, and the four of you put yourself up for nomination, and it was always going to fail because of yeah. the way the shares were at the time. So the next thing was. Let's buy some shares. Let's get, you know, more people in the right camp. Let's go out and speak to the institutional investors and try and, you know, get them on board to be the, you know, the, the, the right side of the argument. And um, and then what happened next? Dave, we eventually got yeah. three years later. No, it was, it was actually a bit of, so that, that that happened in December thirteen. Yeah. And then if you fast forward to another year to December fourteen, so you know, I think one of the guys who. Um, well, he gets a lot of credit, obviously, but he doesn't always maybe put himself, you know, front and fo- front and front and centre. Is actually George Letham. So yeah. George Letham, um, you know, I tried and and I hadn't been successful. And to be honest with you, at that time I was a bit dispirited with the whole thing. Because you know, you have, you tried and it, t- it takes a big toll, as you know, in your personal mm-hmm. life and your and also your business life to get through these things. They're just all consuming, you know, and they also cost quite a lot of money. So, you know, having, having tried a few times, I just felt, you know, this, this hopefully it will all work out, but kind of I've done my best, you know. Um, and then George Letham, who a lot of time for, he, he kind of stepped forward and said, look, we're going to try and do something here. Um, and, and I actually think the best way of doing it is to buy shares as opposed to trying to get these guys out Let's get control of the shares 
And so in the December and January 1415, uh, himself, Dave and Douglas and George Taylor bought basically 35% of the club. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was in the launch pad um, for you guys. I mean, I mean it's, whilst all this is happening, you guys are, are doing what you're yeah, doing. We were, in terms we were, we were busy. The, you were busy as well. <laughs> and, 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 and let's be honest, at the end of the day, that was... The, you know, the whole season ticket boycott and the other stuff you guys were doing, that's what actually changed it. Mm -hmm. Because the minute you start seeing the revenue falling, that's when people yeah. take notice. Yeah. And, and 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 it just couldn't continue. We went from, was it, I think when we took over, actually, there was only 23,000 season ticket holders. Yeah. It gone from 45,000 down. Yeah, the, 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 um, the start of the season, on season ticket deadline day, their last season ticket deadline day, I think the figures were 15,000. And we'd went from high 30s, low 40s a yeah. year before. And I think, you know, that's a lot of thousands of people who gambled. You know, the fans felt sometimes they couldn't do much, but I think the fans underestimate the power of fans yeah. in any football club. Yeah. And I think um, it was a massive, massive part of making massive. the game change. Massive. And if these tens of thousands of Rangers fans had never done what they'd done, I don't think it would have happened. People might say, oh, Craig Houston, you know, done this with the protest. Paul Murray done this with the, the requisition. And Dave King done this with you. And that's all happened. But I think it took the, per it took the perfect storm. Yeah. And I think out of all the, the keys uh, in there, if any one of them didn't take place, the whole thing would have, would have I failed. And, I and, I, and I think the fans sometimes don't get the, um, you know, the, the plaudits they does it. And I'm talking about guys that just done stuff and nobody knows their name yeah. they just and even as, as as much as you know guys it's maybe 20 30 years of sitting in the same seat buying the same season ticket every april or may when they were asked and putting up their money to say no i'm not doing it this year unless you guys go i'm not doing it I'm phenomenal um and no they, i mean the, played the, a great game. i mean the 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 night that i remember and you remember it as well for different reasons but the night uh and just very briefly though getting too much but you know, we we then having bought the thirty five percent shares, which then put us in pole position to then get the because we need we need to get over fifty percent, obviously, yeah. uh, or actually over seventy five percent to, to to really get real control. Um, that was the perfect launch pad. And having done that, we then requisitioned the the next general meeting, and we did that in the middle of kind of the exact day, but the middle of January, which coincided with Rangers versus Hearts on the Friday night. Which coincided with probably the worst thunder uh, snowstorm I've seen that, for that, years. That was a perfect storm yeah, as that, well. And if you remember, so we, we so we actually so we, we actually so we actually went live with it, and it was quite a few funny things that happened that day because the weather was so bad, getting things delivered, and you know flights getting delayed yeah. because. And but we managed to get everything in the lawyers and get the notice done that day, and we posted it. I think about five o'clock. Just as the fans, because it was actually a Friday night kickoff. Was, was this the game that got abandoned? Yeah. Oh, it was a crazy night. So a crazy night. It was, so it, that, that notice goes out on the Friday night, five o'clock. Fans are gathering in the pub, yeah, etc., yeah, for the yeah. game against Hart. Which, by the way, is quite a big game because we were the two main clubs vying for promotion. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and then of course the fans saw that, and the whole thing just took off after that. And it also what helped that time, I don't know if you, again, you just sometimes you lose track of how things went chronologically, but that Hearts game, hours before that, or maybe the day before that, it came out that they were trying to get a loan and give security of the stadium yeah. Yeah. to Ashley. Yeah. That was the only night there was a massive crowd at Ibrox front door wanting to protest when Sons of Struth didn't, ask, didn't need to ask anybody to protest. The news went out and everybody went. So there was that going on. There was the these guys again putting in another requisition, and there was I think there was more people outside than inside yeah. when the yeah. game started. And yeah. the game only lasted twenty two minutes yeah. and then got yeah. abandoned. Yeah, it was just a bizarre and I know bizarre night. I know quite a lot of the Hearts guys, and they said to me afterwards because at that point they used to they, they've changed that a few times, but they used to used to have like a sit down meal in the blue room just for the director. So I don't know what they did with all the other guests, but. So in this in this kind of sit down meal, the Hearts people are there, and what's, he, the, what's the noise? Well, all they can hear is the noise outside the stadium. You, you, and, what, yeah. and what and one of the Rangers directors, I don't know who it was, 
just put the volume up on the TV. Yeah, so I the, think the, the I know Sky, who that was. Sky Sports was on full blast. If you told the full it's, story and you were to tell us what the fans were singing that night, it would have been the first time I've ever heard you swear, Paul. Yeah, so edited version, we can work it out. And I actually think that there was a few people, actually, as a kind of, again, the club means so much to all of us, but there's a few people actually crying, you know, almost like we kind of, we've got to this. How can we, how bad you, you've got to get yeah. to the, you've got to get to yeah. the bottom before you get back up again. And I, yeah. I think that was actually, although it was the, it was the, maybe the, the best day in terms of where it eventually got to, it was probably the worst day in terms of we just literally hit, you know, ground rock zero. Bottom, it was rock bottom. It and, was, and that was it. it. There, was no, there was no further, and I think it just, that's the, the point, I think, when everything thought, this can't continue. Can't go. This is, this can't continue. So, the, the gang's reformed, the band's back in the road, right? Yep. And um, we we get to an EGM. It was an EGM, or was it EGM that got you in? I can't remember. A, a general meeting. It was a, gen, yeah, it was a yearly yeah, one, wasn't yeah. it? So, um, and we're, we're at Ibrox. And I remember the, the run-up to that. The, the, I was so confident weeks out that the result was going to be all right. Yeah, yeah. And there was loads of people. There was RST, there was Rangers first. They were all going and getting votes. They were all going and getting yeah. proxies. And there was people meeting in pubs to get everybody's pieces of paper so we could make sure everybody was getting their vote in the right direction. And then it became a time, not maybe days before it, but I think the dogs in the street realised, this is done. Yeah. We'll get rid of them. Yeah. So going to the AGM was a weird, and it was in Ibrox. And I remember the people saying, oh, how are you going to do it? What are you going to, I'm going to walk along Paisley Road West. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to go to this as if it's going to a game. But unlike a game where you don't know the result, we sort of knew. Yeah. And um, we went along, we had the AGM. Takes a few hours before everything's finalised. But see with the amount of postal votes and things in these day and age, did you know it was won before? It was one. Sort yeah, of thing. And Dave is keeping. Dave is um, Dave King's a very meticulous guy when it comes to you know we've all got different styles. He's a very meticulous guy when it comes to numbers and all that kind of stuff. So he was keeping a running spreadsheet of all the he'd been talking to all the shareholders. Well, we all had been, but so he knew um, the way it was going. It's a bit like a, I guess it's like a, a general election, is it? You kind of know. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think any of us knew the extent of it. We never knew how big the majority would be. Uh, and uh, so, uh, and I think probably the the, the 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 first indication that we had, you know, won by quite a long way was obviously um, the other side didn't turn up; they, they just left. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, a wee bit of a kind of, I remember the general meeting took about five set five minutes to just deal with it. We just were all standing about going, "What happens next?" And we we're just waiting now for the result. And then what happened? What the, the thing that um, I think you may have heard the story, but. So we were in our girl house uh, just waiting for this to happen. And because uh, we were a, a public company, these, you might remember the whole uh, nomad situation. Mm -hmm. Everyone became a, a kind of walking encyclopedia on nomads. So I can't remember who the, who the nomad was at the time. It had so many of them. It's but probably a 73rd nomad uh, at the time because uh, we, we get rid of them. So they had to sign off on the, on the actual piece of paper. So what you do is you do, a, you do like a, a stock exchange announcement. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so they were collecting all the votes, had to be audited, make sure it was checked and all the rest of it. So it took until, I think the meeting was about 10 o'clock in the morning, maybe 11 o'clock, but we didn't know until three o'clock. I mean, yeah. we needed to get it out before the markets closed. So the guy from, the, the, the nomad guy was a really kind of straight guy, you know, shirt and tie and, you know, a real kind of auditor type guy. He came over and said, Mr. Murray, I've, I've got the result. And he, he just showed it to me and it was 85-15. Yeah. So it was a complete landslide. Yeah, yeah. So before I, we, we we released the, the piece of paper, I went down to the, the boardroom and I told John and Dave, and they were like amazed. That no one knew, no one expected this no. to be 85%, or, you know, across all the resolutions. So obviously it's a fantastic endorsement. So uh, even now I got, here's the back of my neck. So what happened was I went into, there was a, um, like, I guess it would have been, I think it was, I think it was actually Graham Wallace's PA. She's still there. So she was tasked with getting the thing ready and then just, you know, everyone happy, yeah, press the button, away it goes. The world knows. And, and it just shows you the power of the internet. So there's about, it must be a thousand, two thousand people outside of a girl house waiting. And it was, it was quite a cold day. It was the 6th of March. Mm -hmm. It was freezing mm -hmm. cold, you know. So they're all outside, you know, we, 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 we kind of know that. Um, and this girl presses a button. I'm not kidding you, within 30 seconds. Roar massive roar there's guys obviously on the mm -hmm. 
on the stock exchange uh, aim website and an incredible feeling you know that was an, that was, an, that was an amazing day that actually yeah uh great feeling i think it was it was one of the the most important victories i've ever seen at ibrox yeah for you know so many reasons mm. um if that day didn't happen would we have done 55 if that day didn't happen would we still exist i don't know i don't know the i don't know the end game mm. i got a rough idea where the end game was for certain individuals but I don't think we'd have seen Seville. I don't think we'd have seen um, stopping ten in a row. I don't think we'd have seen our own fifty-five. I don't think we'd have seen Stevie Gerrard. And the whole the whole um, landscape of Rangers would change. Would would we have became a third, fourth place team? Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. But and for that, I just think it was just so important. It was certainly. Yeah. Um, I came out. I came out of the AGM and went to the pub. I was in the pub when the result came, and it was the same thing. We were just all huddled around this thing. Huddle was a bad word. Edit that mm. out. Um, with the big screens in the district bar and it was as full as it would be in a match day it was bizarre and then sky news and we're like oh, it's coming and the roar was like a cup final winning yeah. goal yeah it was so important to everybody you know yeah. like, what a day so i saw the nice bits away right so when you then we're in we're in the nitty gritty yeah we get the keys the bad guys never be, <sighs> never to be seen again or were they? Was there anything you had to do legally with these guys, or was that them just off? And I, I pretty much did them, them going. So it was then just, um, you know, obviously it was a whole uh, thing with Sports Direct, which is a, you know, a that's set, an episode. And it's don't get me started, Paul. A, a that's set, a whole episode. A, a, a itself. Separate, a separate that's, thing. Right? So that's true. That was probably the that that was the you know the kind of legacy issue. Yeah. But no, I think the thing was then about um, trying to rebuild the club, and I think I said at the time, I think I said at the press conference the day we on that sixth of March. I mean, it, I mean the club was broken. Club was literally broken into a thousand pieces. There was no part of the club, no part of the club functioning. You know, the the, the scouting network wasn't there. Every single part of a, not even an elite football club, a a, a big football yeah. club just wasn't there. Yeah. So it was literally rebuilding this thing brick by brick. And uh, I have to say, you know, it, it was really, and, and obviously Dave went back to South Africa and, and John and I were, you know, we've got day jobs at the same time trying to, Trying to get all this sorted out, and and it was it was really tough. Those first three months, well, it was great and you know a sense of achievement, but you know I don't think people realise just how tough it actually was. You know, it was a real, the really difficult period, and of course we then and I think with hindsight, I think not getting promotion was not a lot of disappointment at the time. It was probably not a bad thing because it gave us a gave us a chance to regroup. We brought in Mark and Davy Weir, uh, which I think was actually the right decision at the time. Uh, and we get we started a new sort of period, you know, and, and uh, okay, it didn't work out maybe the way we expected eventually, but you know, for that season, there was a, a, a brand new kind of feel to the place, a, mm -hmm. a kind of modern feel, and and all the rest of it. Clean was how I'd describe it. it just it, yeah. it felt clean again. Yeah, it was a, a good feeling, and uh, and that season was good. I mean, all of us playing the championship, we expected us to get promotion. We played really good football, and and you know, and, and Mark was a big part of that, uh, Mark Warburton. So. Yeah, it kind of felt good, and I think you know, not not getting promotion when we 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 obviously weren't ready to get promotion that season for the whole everything that happened to the club. It was good, to, I think, just to regroup and then start the rebuilding mm -hmm. process. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's although it was still sore getting beat with Motherwell. Oh, that, well, yeah, I mean, terrible. I mean, terrible result. Yeah, that, yeah, and yeah. and uh, you know, but you know, so, so you, you get the keys, you get your feet under the desk. I remember one of the staff um, telling me, I don't know if it was the day of the AGM, but um, they've got all the staff together. And was like, is this it? Yeah. And he couldn't believe yeah. the lack of bodies that were running this yeah. football club because they were cutting everything to the bone. Yeah. yeah. And people were getting laid off right, left, and centre. Yeah. And there was like this room that was probably half as full as he expected. Um, and when, when you're in and you, the, the feet are under the desk, and there'll be certain things I appreciate you probably can't, or you know, you would maybe like to talk about, but you might feel uh, unable to. What was the worst thing you found? There must have been some skeletons in some cupboards. And I know there's a man that we touched on a minute ago that it threatened you with jail for talking about stuff back then, if I remember rightly, you know, trying to get his charged criminally and threats of um, suing you for lots and lots of money if you discussed at that time any of his business dealings with the club. So there might be stuff that you can't, I get that you can't talk about, but what was the worst thing you found that, that, that you can't talk about? I think it's quite simple. I think you've touched on it. I think you can kind of, you can kind of deal with money things in the sense that, you know, we had people there who were really supportive and uh, who wanted to invest in the clubs. You know, the Three Bears, Dave King, other people with like that. So you kind of you've got to the first thing. The first priority was to establish 
how bad the financial position was. You know, to first of all, what is the number we need to to do the various things you need to do? And once you've once once you've done that, and that, that didn't take too long. And in fact, we actually brought in Stuart Robertson because because Stuart, I'd known Stuart a long time, and and we brought Stuart in to help with the financial side of things. And 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 so Stuart helped us get up to speed pretty quickly with with where the financial position. I think that so that's kind of factual. It's what it is. You know, it's maybe horrible, but it's what it is, and 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 you can sort that over time. But I think probably the biggest thing was having been there uh, previously, and I think David say probably the same thing. John hadn't been there, but he'd been a long term, uh, obviously massive supporter of the club, and and done a lot of things for the club. The biggest thing was the fact that the you know the kind of standards and the, the kind of the the pride that people had in the club had comp- been completely shattered. So back to your point about, you know, I'd been there before and walked through a girl house a million times as David done, and you would see staff and there's a real buzz to the place. It was just no one there. Mm. And, and people were just scared of their jobs. And, and, and the thing that, that, that the other regimes didn't get is that a lot of people who work at Ironbrooks don't do it for money. They can earn far more money elsewhere. Mm. They do it for the love of the club. And there's people there who've been there a long, long time and they do things and they're probably getting paid, you know, 70% of what they could get in the, let's call it the private sector. And actually, I'll give you a small example. One of the, one of the first um, guy, one of the first things I did, and I was a chairman at the time, and it's, it's a very small thing, but I think it was quite important, was that um, on something like day two, I get, um, I can't remember who, who it was actually, it may have been the head of HR at the time, said to me, uh, there's a guy called Archie who delivers the post between Highbrooks yeah. and Ockenhowie. Yeah. And it's not a particularly big job. It's not a, you know, a well-paid, a massively well-paid job, but it's quite an important job. He, mm-hmm. he, you know, you may be arguing this day and age, it's emails, and, but it's still a lot he of mail. does a lot of the sign shots yeah, and stuff, a lot of stuff charity back, going this, this backwards back and, and forward. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, whether this, you know, all due respect to Archie, whether he's there or not there, it's not going to really affect the bottom line. It's, mm. a, it's a very small example, but they'd basically given Archie notice. And, and this guy had put his heart and soul yeah, yeah. into the club. And I said, Archie, you know, whatever yeah. happens, you're back. Yeah. And this guy, obviously, if I'd given this guy the crown jewels, yeah. he wouldn't have been as happy that he was that day. Yeah. He basically hugged me and said, Paul, thanks a lot. And it was a very small thing, but we just wanted to get the people's morale back again. And it took a long time because people had been so beaten into submission and, and, and you know, affected by the whole thing that obviously you just feel you're always on edge and I'm the next to get fired and all that. Yeah. And, and I think that, that kind of people thing was the biggest challenge. Yeah, and Archie's still there. I spoke to him just Brilliant. fortnight ago, and he was, you know, Archie's yeah. still Archie. He's the same guy Brilliant. that you would have spoke to back in 2015, Rangers daft, and Archie's probably one of the guys. I don't know if he's contracted to 30 hours a week, but if he needed to work 40, yeah. he would probably do it without even asking for yeah. overtime. Exactly. Just, you get that extra mile out yeah. of people yeah. that have they've got a love and a passion for the yeah. club. I'll tell, tell another quick example, just to which, again, sums up, you know, the guy called Colin Stewart, who runs... Oh, and, aye, great. Right, so, yep. so, so, so Colin, Colin, who I knew previously, mm-hmm. uh, he contacted me a couple of days after we took over and said, just to let you know, I've got that money I'm for you. holding £150,000 <laughs> as a cheque. And uh, brilliant, just stuff that is... Aye, the, 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 the old board to try to get in, aye. to get him to get... Yeah. For those who don't know, they're, they're in, he's calling raises money through Lotto and other things for the Rangers Youth Development. And maybe two or three times a year, they make a big presentation of money over to the club. And he had a fair few quid to go and they chapped his door not long before the AGM and asked him to transfer the money. And he was like, tell them I'm no one and hid yeah, for them yeah, and yeah. lied. And to, because he just wasn't convinced yeah. that if that money had been transferred from yeah. the, the, the fundraising into the club, it would actually go to where yeah. it was gone. Yeah. And when you hear these stories, and yeah. I, I call him a great guy. Yeah. A lot of, he's a really nice guy, a lot of time for him. And I remember hearing the story. And the, the weird thing is, it's no Colin that tells you the story. It's other people, yeah, yeah, and you know, because these guys, they just, yeah, they don't want. They're not doing it for the plaudits. Yeah, they're just yeah. doing it because yeah, yeah. it's the right thing to do. And yeah. how brave was that guy? Do you know what I mean? Uh, he'd lost his job. I mean, he, you say he literally was hiding in cupboards, and <laughs> and you know, I'm off sick today. But again, <laughs> yeah. so and and he came, he came to my office actually. I, 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 that was my office, but the office I was using. And he said, "There's the check." There's <laughs> your money. And, you know, he just he's a great guy, and uh, yeah. So th- those are the things that I remember. I mean, the the the, the kind of rebuilding aspect is. You just do that, but yeah. the, the, the people thing was the most important thing. So we get the club back. We had some interim managers at the time. We end up with Warburton, 
How did that come about? Is that a recommendation? Is that yeah? You know? I, I could, it's funny how the football managers come about. You, you know, the football's a funny game because it's not really like a normal business where you, you know, you appoint a, a consultant and you. I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit of that, but you know, there's obviously so many agents and other people who come to you and say, "I've got a guy." Do you want to meet? So we met a whole bunch of different people, and um, and and I have to say, as I've said publicly before. We had Stuart McCall and Kenny Black there as the as the as the kind of caretaker interim managers, uh, and lovely, lovely guys. I mean, Stuart McCall is a fantastic guy. I mean, I mean, we we, we kind of felt it was time for a, a real change, and that's why we brought in Mark. Um, but Stuart, you know what a what a guy in terms of his. I mean, he he came in at a really difficult time, and he did it. He didn't look for any assurances, any promises. I'll come in. I'll help the club. Do what I can do, and then we'll see what happens. Obviously, as I say, probably with hindsight, it was not a bad, a little bit hard at the time. It probably wasn't a bad thing not getting promoted from a timing point of view. Uh, and I know Stuart felt bad about that, but, you know, he was just a really nice guy. Uh, but we felt it was time for a, a fresh start. Um, and, and the reason why we appointed Mark and Davey was um, we thought it was time for a kind of, like a kind of, not not, quite, not, not that anyone else was a not, non-modern manager, but someone who was kind of fresh ideas mm-hmm. and, a kind of a, a kind of change of scene, but also having Davy there as a former captain yeah. who understood the club really well, supported the club. So we thought the combination of mm. kind of old and new would be a great yeah, combination, yeah. And, I, and I think it was the right decision at the time. Yeah, and then I remember when when, when Morburton left, there was there was a bit of debiety. I remember, and there was a there was a there was two distinct different stories. There was a suggestion made that his agent had served notice on the club via an email or a meeting or whatever, I can't remember. And then, so everybody was like, well, that's, I'm away. And then Warburton was saying, well, I'm not away. I never handed my notice in. What was it? What was the story behind that? I mean, it was just, you can't even have two polar parts. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to get into that, Craig, in the sense that it's probably not that fair and all the parties okay. involved. But what I would say is that, you know, football is one of these things that people move around and, you know, it's, it's, it is unlike any other business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, and I, I had a lot of time. I, I'm sorry the way it ended because yeah, yeah. it didn't. It was messy, and as you say, yeah. and and it was you know it wasn't maybe the way we would like to have done it. Um, I've got a lot of time for Mark. Um, obviously, Davy's a you know a legend of the club. Yeah. Um, so I'm sorry the way it worked out, but I'd rather not talk. No, about no, it. I was listening. Yeah. Total respect for that. that. That's that's something I made myself clear about yeah. at the start. There's things. Yeah. That I will ask and would love to know because I'm a nosy bugger and you yeah. know fans wouldn't like love all these stories and it's probably getting virgin on gossipy, which isn't it? Yeah, your yeah, style to yeah, be honest with yeah. you. So we went from then when we went Pedro, is that right? We'd been Marty for a while again. Yeah, so we 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 Marty uh, Graham. Uh, yeah, so that so Mark went in the the February of what would that be seventeen was it? Um, first year in the, back, back in the Premier League, and then Graham took over uh, until. March, I think it was going to be a month or so, and then Pedro came in and he lasted until the October. Um, and, and, and another cycle of caretaker, and we, yeah. And how did how did we end up with this Portuguese guy? There was a, there was a story I'd heard that we'd looked at another Portuguese guy, I can't remember his name just now, yeah, previously. I'll, t- I'll tell you about him in a minute. Yeah, and he yeah. was going to be he was going to accept the job if we were in the Premiership, yeah, yeah. but if we didn't get yeah. the Premiership, he wasn't, he yeah. won it. But Pedro was going to be his assistant. Is there truth in that? And then... uh, no, I don't think so. So there was a guy called uh, Vitor Pereira, That's it. who had a very, he, he had a stellar um, CV, so he was like Porto's manager. Um, a lot of these Portuguese guys seem to go to the Middle East for some reason. Mm-hmm. Well, I can guess what the reason yeah, is. But, no. So he, he'd gone to the Middle East as well. He'd, he'd been really successful in Portugal. He'd gone to, I think, Olympiacos or Panathinaikos, one of the, the top Greek yeah. teams. He'd done well. This is this is Vitor Pereira. And he'd gone to the Middle East. And then, so you're right. He, and I think he's done a, quite a few big jobs since then. So he he said to us, look, love to come, but uh, I'll only come if you're in the Premier League. Yeah. We, we lost the playoff and that, that was it. Um, Pedro, um, you know, he came, um, I think, through a few Portuguese contacts. Um you know what I say about Pedro is he, he was a first of all he was a lovely guy, a lovely human being, really really nice guy. Uh, you know, moved his whole family here, which was a massive commitment. Going to school in Scotland, lovely family. Um, you know, it just didn't work out, and and um, you know, I think that I think you know I think we learned a few lessons from that in the sense that you've got to, you know, the the the, the, the number one thing at, at Rangers and Celtic 
uh, is you have to win games. You, you can't, you can't, you can talk about projects and, you know, we can do this and we can take a long-term view. That just doesn't exist. You've got to, you've got to win games. And, and I don't think Pedro, and, and to, to a certain extent, Mark Warburton as well, they never got to grips with the size of the club. You know, people at Walter, who are giant figures, you know, and, and come along once in a generation, obviously, these guys, you, you've got to be a massive personality to cope with that. Mm. And and Mark just couldn't cope with him. You know, Mark was, he couldn't, you know, he's been at Brentford, but if you draw a couple of games, it's kind of who cares, you know. Um, and, and Pedro was the same. Pedro just couldn't get to grips with the size of the club, you know. I remember being at a function, talking to Mark Warburton, and I said, you do realise you could leave here a hero or a legend? I said, what's the difference? I said, a hero will get us up, a legend will win us a league. And, you know, they'll love you here. Yeah. But, that, you know, you could. the difference is that. Yeah. says, if you're the guy that gets us 55, you will be a legend. And he actually, what, what do you mean? What's yeah. the difference? And I think if I remember, he actually, I said it to him and he was like, ah, no problem, nice to meet you, and then walked away. And then came back 10 minutes later and went, what, do you mean that, what yeah? did you talk? What yeah. were you talking about there? Yeah. What's the difference? I was like, this club, mate. You'll be a hero yeah. for getting us promoted. You'll be an absolute legend. Your life will change forever. Yeah. If well, you can win us 55, Rangers fans will never forget you. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, again, that's something that a lot of people need to grasp when they, they come into Rangers. So we've been through that. Um, Cubs stable. We're back up. We're promoted. Have a wee go with Pedro. It doesn't quite work out. Was he crazy or was it just... It, it was... It, no, he was actually a really... As I say, he's a really, really nice guy. I, I had a lot... Of, I, I took him to... Um, Bizarrely, he loved rugby, so I took him to Glasgow Warriors. Brilliant. A game, uh, him and I went. In fact, uh, Stuart Robertson came as well. So Stuart, myself, and Pedro went to Scotsdon, uh, Glasgow versus Edinburgh, and he was, you know, he was getting obviously selfies with all the, the players and all that kind of stuff. And and he was a really, a really nice guy. Great, you know, great company. He was he his, slightly eccentric? Or was he was, he was eccentric. I mean, he loved his wine, and he, you know, he used to send me pictures of. You know, this will be in the this will be in the blue room next season. Portuguese wine and stuff like that. I was seeing them pictures of places in Portugal, and so he's, he's a really nice guy. And and um, it was a pity it didn't work out. I mean, uh, you know, everyone's a genius for hindsight. It was probably the wrong decision, but he was a really nice guy. And as you say, quite eccentric. Yeah. Um, of course, the the um, I don't think he ever recovered from Luxembourg. I, mean, I was yeah. actually on that trip, and and I, I don't was, as a uh, fan, I think the defeat at Luxembourg was, was, never gonna, was terrible. Yeah, yeah. But I, and you know that, that's a hard one to recover from. Yeah. But it was the reaction after it. Remember, he, he went out and he was claiming over bushes and stuff to go and speak to fans. And you're thinking, just go on the bus and go up the road. Yeah, we'll deal with this tomorrow. That you yeah. know, you can't even yeah. in that situation. Yeah. Um, now, something that again that, that, that most fans and myself don't appreciate: the decisions made probably by a board that. You've had your time, Pedro. Who delivers the news? How does it work? Dave. What? Dave King. Is that right? Yeah. He's a top man. He's a chairman yeah. and he just says, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Come and have a chat and they yeah. probably do before yeah. the Yeah. The well, actually, remember we, we lost the League Cup semi-final against Motherwell at Hamden mm-hmm. on the Sunday. Disastrous performance. Basically out-muscled. You know, they just, that, uh, that big guy, Moat at the time up front, he yeah, yeah. completely yeah, bullied us. He's bullied the, the, the back four. I think he broke it was it Cardozo that broke his nose and you know, disaster performance, massive support. I think we had about 45,000 fans there and you know, 7,000 multiple fans. And we just leave you know, terrible fun. So, of course, that that was a difficult one. And then we played Comana on the Wednesday in the league, and that was a game when we were, we were one up with, a, with about a minute to go of stoppage time, we got a penalty. We kind of mucked about for what seemed about five minutes to take the penalty, mm-hmm. missed the penalty uh, after we'd taken all this time. They, they went up the park and Chris Burke crossed it and equalised literally last kick of the game. That's so 1-1 cool. draw on the back of the Motherwell yeah. game and that was, and then we had a, we had a discussion that night and, and he'd been, Pedro had been Banned, I think, because of behaviour at one of the games. He was he was in the stand that night with us, sitting next to you, making a decision about it. And it was just, I think everyone knew. I think he knew as well. It was, ah. That was the end of it, you know. So then we come up to you, uh, you you leaving, and in the short, so we've got Pedro's away, wee bit of um, um, yeah. caretaker again, and the club announced. That, correct me if I'm wrong. Was it two weeks or two months? The difference between you leaving and. Gerard coming? It was very no, close. No, it was actually the same week. So, so I, um, you know, I'd been thinking about it for a while. So, I, I, that was that was the May. Eventually, left in the May of 
2018. So I'd been there for nearly three years the second time. I was there four years the first time. So I'd, I'd done seven years. Obviously, the, the second time was a lot more intense. And the first mm-hmm. thing is, the first time, you know, obviously it was David. David ran the show. David Murray ran the show. Second time, I was a lot more involved, obviously. And and I just, um, for a variety of reasons, I came to the point where I just, given, you know, given where I was in my personal life at that point in, t- point of, point in time, I just felt I needed a break. And I, I just, you know, I really kind of, I suppose I kind of not quite ran out of juice, but I was almost, I felt that way. I just felt as if I'd done my bit and um, it was time to go. Um, and what I didn't want to do, obviously, was kind of leave and, uh, you know, kind of in any way complicate Stephen Gerrard's. Not that he's obviously... But you, you know he's coming. I, I know point. he's coming and I, and I didn't want to... So we, we I think we played Celtic on the, the Sunday, got a really heavy defeat, 5 nothing, lost the league at Parkhead. And I just, you know, I just kind of felt this is the time to go. So I said to Dave King, you know, I kind of want to go. Um, I didn't realise that Barry Scott was leaving at the same time. So uh, I think the following day, the Tuesday, was announced that we were both leaving. Uh, there was a little bit of press coverage as, you know, why is this happening? But then by the Thursday when Stephen's coming, the whole thing had been superseded right. and that was that was fine. I mean, you go through what you I've only got two quick questions, by the way, and that was... Um, to go through the whole thing that you went through, particularly the second time at Rangers, yeah. you know, with the, the threats to your your, your liberty, the th- you know, threats of getting sued, your house situation, all these bizarre things yeah. and all the pressures. And you go through all that, and you, you, you must have sensed with Gerard coming, things are going to get a bit special here. Would you have changed your mind and done it differently? You know what? The same again. Not one single iota you know actually I, I gave a couple of a lot of people contacted me after we won uh the league um 55 and were saying after a bit of chat about how do you feel sort of thing one of the guys said to me i think it was one of the bbc scotland guys said to me uh you must feel a little bit you know kind of funny because you know this is a crowning point and mm-hmm. you know i didn't feel any of that i, I was i was so pleased for the board Who'd put a lot? No, they made mistakes. Anyone makes mistakes, right? But we, we kind of got there in the end. Um, well, it's maybe the end of the beginning, if you like. We need to push on now. Uh, but you know, we, that that was a big, a big moment winning fifty five. Um, and I just felt, I just felt pride in the club again. I just felt that we've, we've now got the club back to because I think we went through those dark days. You know, we we all kind of, as I mentioned a minute ago, we the club had fallen so far in terms of. The way it had been battered, that you just wanted to be back in his feet again, and that was us right back in our feet. And I just felt a real sense of pride. I don't I, honestly, I don't regret one single bit. I'm just so pleased we did it. You know, I'd like to see us push on even more now. But um, but no, I don't. I, I didn't have any of those feelings. I didn't, okay. I didn't feel. And last question, I promise. Yep. So it's life changing. Getting involved with Rangers is life changing, and you probably. You maybe did, but I doubt you would have appreciated how much impact it would have on your life back in 2007, yeah. um, or potentially even before when you'd done yeah. the youth thing. So would you have done it again? And if you did, if you would, would you change anything in, in, in your time and tenure at Rangers? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, that's a really good question. <laughs> Thank God it's your last one. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you obviously, you know... I, well, put, put it this way, I, I don't think anyone could ever have forecast when I first got involved, it, it would have been the way uh, it had gone. I, I would never have thought in, in, I mean, pretty much for 10 years, you know, um, in, uh, you know, after the club was, was sold, in inverted commas, you know, it was, it was, there was so much happened in that 10 year period and you were obviously involved in a lot of that stuff as well. And, and so... And, and and that was completely outside of football. It wasn't even football related. Yeah, yeah. It was just like business and shareholders and resolutions and you know special general meetings and all that kind of stuff. So um, you know, I don't I don't think um, you would, you'd have forecast that. Um, but having said that, you know, you've got to react to situations. And um, I, I remember Dave King saying he, he said at one point, you know, I think Dave was on record as saying. He didn't really want to get back in again. He he lost his money the first time round. Didn't really want to do it again. But he just felt that he was in a position to help, and he felt obliged to help. And that's the way I felt. I felt that you know I didn't really want to be involved in the quarter session court cases and 
you know, standing up at Ibrooks and resolutions and, you know, all the legal issues and, and then having to sort things out. And But if you can do it, you do it, don't you? You mm. do it because you, you've got to do it. Nobody else is going to do it. Well, other people were there, but, you know, you've got to, if, if you can make a contribution, then you feel obliged to do that. So it's, it's a really good question. I mean, I, I've never really thought about it like, like that. I've just kind of kind of dealt with, I suppose it's been three phases. It was a whole kind of youth development thing. It was good good fun and you're, you're meeting your heroes and you're, you know, you're doing interesting things. You're seeing young players develop. Then it was a whole kind of 2007 period and you're on the board and you're going to Barcelona, which is brilliant. And then, you know, and then, and then, and then all the banking issues happen. And then, and, and then the second bit, the, 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 the third bit, you know, the whole kind of Craig White onwards, that was the toughest bit, obviously, but mm-hmm. it's great to get to the end of that and see that we came through that. And, and I remember a lot of people have said, I remember, you know, obviously the late, great Sandy Jardin saying to, saying to us when we came in, he said, you want us to take off David Summers and Craig White's photographs from the, the boardroom? And Dave King said, no, that's really important we keep that because every organisation's got a history. We've got 150 years, good times, bad times, a number of disasters that have unfortunately killed, you know, people have died, you know, great players, bad players, ups and downs. It's like a family, isn't it? You have all these ups and downs, you know, but at the end of the day, it makes you stronger. And, and, and the important thing is, if you put, if you remember what happened, you, you know, if you actually remember history, you hopefully don't repeat it again. Mm-hmm. So having those those photographs up in the wall actually is a real reminder of what happened. And we should maybe we should all get in that room once a once a year and remember it and just say, yeah, you know what, point. let's make sure that never happens again. Yeah. Um, well, look, fascinating, Paul. I can't thank you enough. I've known you personally and closely for probably ten years, and I've learned things tonight. Uh, sorry today that I didn't know. And the stories have been fascinating as a fan to listen to. And thanks very much for being so insightful. Um, it's been great, and uh, safe journey back to Portugal. Good. Thank you. Uh, see you not too distant future. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. 